open up your books, you bad apples. Hey, it's a podcast. It is a podcast. This is Lucas Nord. And this is Cole Lang. What's up, Cole? Oh, man, just having a good time. Having a good time over here. Uh, Finally able to do stuff uh, as the vaccine is rolled out here in Europe. So that is nice. Ah. That is fun. Uh, Got got a lot of German food in me uh, this past weekend. And got to say, my body wasn't ready. I was very gassy. Oh, wow. Very gassy. Yep. So, um, I feel bad for whoever was on hikes with me, um, right behind me. Nah, just kidding. Um, I, I, I was courteous about it. You know, I did it in the open air, right on the mountaintops, uh, right at the very, the highest point in Germany, the Zugspitz, um, that was pretty neat it's very gentlemanly yeah i know (laughs) right in the open air where everything's so fresh yep and uh i gotta say man no matter where you go you know everyone's like oh uh where you're from because my german's not good right and they can just tell i'm american and uh, it's like uh you know the states and then of course they want to know about trump i'm just like jesus christ i just want to go somewhere and not be asked about that man but what what can you do Uh, nothing yep it's just you try to try (laughs) to brush up on your german yeah exactly i gotta i gotta just work on it you know How, how are you doing over there oh you know just hanging out ready to talk about some vampires yeah so on this episode i was like you know dracula it's gonna be a big big story Uh, but um we are gonna do a little dracula preamble here because i was like oh i can just go through the history of vampires real quick right before the first part um in one episode but the more you dig into vampire history, it's actually very confusing. Well, not confusing, but just expansive. It's, uh, there's a lot going on with vampire history. And, uh, but eventually, it made its way into literature, and that's how we got Dracula. So we're just going to be talking about uh, a little bit of Dracula history, or vampire history. And... Um, yeah, some stories that kind of got us to where we are today, and a little bit about uh, old Bram Stoker, whose whose full name was Abraham. Abraham, yeah. That's a really That's weird way to shorten it up, but Bram is pretty cool. Bram, you know what? Yeah. If it's Abraham, I'm calling him Bram. Yeah, Abe is just. Yeah, that's just not a good shorthand name. I don't know why anyone would use it. Abe know? Stoker. There's been, like, so many different types of variations of vampires throughout history. There's been, like, so many different elements that have been combined to make, like, the modern vampire that we know of today. Um, But there's, like, all these different features that just come together to make our modern, you know, 
somewhat sexy. You know, there is a sex appeal to vampires, as we've seen with the Twilight series. Very sexy. And even before then, though. Even before then, but... They're, they're naturally seductive. Yep. Um, Twilight definitely did it for me, you know? I was like, I don't know about this sexy vampire thing, and then I just saw those vamps on screen, and uh, I was hooked, you know? There you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, our, our modern version of vampires that we know of didn't really appear until the 1800s. Uh, so, like, uh, the pale, skinny, like, sharp teeth, blood-sucking creatures that started to appear in the 1800s. But, as I've said, the modern vampire is, like, a combination of, like, ancient tales, mythology, and folklore that, like came mostly from the middle ages but um there there were like things you could call vampires from way back in the day um and lucas you actually researched some types of vampires would you mind sharing those before we get into um i guess the folklore history yeah when i when I got to thinking about this episode, I just, I personally definitely thought of one specific type of vampire that I'm going to be covering first and foremost. Um, okay. But otherwise, I just, I kind of got a few little historical footnotes here. Um, the last one on the list actually being something of a real-life vampire, even though it's probably all completely fake except for the worst part, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Okay. Um, the first one I got, like I said, when you um, suggested like a preamble episode, I was like, all right, Cole's going to come with what he's going to come with, and I'm going to come with the Chinese hopping vampire. Or, Ooh, okay. Or Jiangxi. Dressed in the official garb of the Qing Dynasty... The Chinese Jiangxi is a folklore vampire slash zombie type hybrid whose distinct characteristic comes from one of its most common nicknames. Like I just said, the hopping vampire. If that doesn't hook you, I don't know what will, honestly. This is, now I gotta ask, is this the Easter vampire? Like, is this one just having a good time hopping around, handing out eggs and stuff? Like, that just sounds fun, not too, like... Uh, scary, I guess. We'll see. It does sound kind of fun and not too scary, but um, the reason that it actually hops around is because it's like full of rigor mortis, so it can't move very much. Not just Ooh. because it's like uh, an efficient way to get around. Uh, okay. Yeah, so hopping with both feet at a time with its arms outstretched, it saps the life force from its victims. Um, you know, which is just kind of kind of typical with vampires. The only difference is that they don't specifically suck the blood out of people. It's just the life force, but, you know, mm. it's the same thing. It goes hand in hand. Pretty much. It also sleeps in a coffin or cave by day and hunts at night, much like our, um, you know, much like our, our big guy, Count Dracula, who we'll be talking about here soon enough. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, being that its name is, once again, probably butchering it, but being that its name is Jiangxi, 
uh, the Jang part translates to hard or stiff, given um, you know given by its mannerisms and you know why it why it hops around in the first place and all that stuff. And yeah, you know the uh, I'm not sure how how long this stuff goes back for, but just like a lot of other vampires, when it uh, saps the life force, that's kind of pardon the pun or whatever, but it's kind of bled into a lot of what we think of vampires today, but... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, the coffin thing? Yep. That's pretty interesting. I've never heard of this. The the Jiang Shi. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a lot of crazy. fun. A yeah. few methods to ward off the Jiang Shi include a mirror. Being that they are said to be terrified of their own reflections compared to Dracula isn't terrified of his own reflection. He just can't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, a rooster's call. Hey, that's that's understandable. When well, those things got, start roostering around in the morning, I'm I'm terrified because those those things were related to the T Rex. It's and true. That's just that's just basically them saying I'm hungry, I'm ready to eat some humans. Um, yeah. It's it's partially to do with that. And partially to do with uh, the idea is that you trick the vampire into thinking the sun's going to come up because that's the only time that a rooster roosts. I don't know if that's actually the right word for it. Mm. Um, and uh, the final method is to hold your breath, which Wikipedia didn't specify why that would ward it off. But if you're ever confronted by one of these Chinese hopping vampires, steer clear. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a hiccup, you know? Just uh, like a hiccup. Just, yep. The Jiangxi. That's very interesting. Yeah. And in keeping with the theme of picking things with names that I couldn't uh, read very well, <laughs> the second one is called the Irish Dirg Du. You think that's Dirk how you'd du. say that is Dirg? Dirk, the classic Dirk Du. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Dirk Du, known That's to how be... the Du Dirk. Yeah, there you go. Uh, known to be a beautiful woman skulking in graveyards by night. Um, flashes, <laughs> flashes of Mary Shelley. Yeah, yeah. And when I think of, like, Dirk Du, I just think beautiful woman. You oh, know? absolutely. That's just a beautiful, beautiful name. The legend goes that a young woman with a rich and shrewd father met and fell in love with a farmer, much to her father's dismay. Being that the man was only interested in personal prosperity, he arranged a marriage for his daughter to a cruel chieftain in exchange for lands and wealth. After the marriage, the chieftain kept her locked away, content with the idea that she was his and his alone, and her depression and misery grew so great that she withered away not eating or drinking. The chieftain attained a new wife before this one was cold in the ground, and her father was too distracted living his life of riches to care, leaving her only grieving attendee being her lost love, the, the farmer boy. Him visiting her grave every day, wishing for nothing but her return to him. Though the man's love was strong... The thing that brought her back to life was the need for revenge, uh, which, you know, that's usually what gets me out of bed in the morning, too, which brought her which brought her back on the one year anniversary of her death. 
She set out with one goal in mind. Get back at the father that had so frivolously given her away without her consent. Beelining for his home the night of, uh, the night of, um, you know, she's brought out of the ground or whatever. She uh, presses her lips to his and once again sucks the life out of him. Um, wow. Didn't bite him. Just doing a little father smooching. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting, interesting story there. Yeah, kind of like a, the opposite of um, of an Oedipus complex, you know. Uh there's a word for that too, but I definitely can't remember what it is. Very sad. Very oh, that's sad. what it is. I just heard it the other day. It's called an Electra complex. Electra. Yep. Okay, I haven't heard of that, but now I know. Yep. Um, and the last one on the list, like I said, it's a bit of a real life thing. Probably completely fake too, other than, like I said, the nastiest part, but uh, it comes in the form of what some could refer to as a real life vampire, and it isn't the one you're thinking of. Uh, her name being Elizabeth Bathory. A Hungarian noblewoman. You ever what? heard of Elizabeth Bathory before? No, I haven't. Speculated to be history's most prolific female serial killer, Bathory and her accomplices were thought to have tortured and mutilated up to 650 female victims from 1590 to 1610. What? Why haven't the, I heard of this? I, I couldn't tell you. It's, it's kind of old news. Though these yeah. facts are those these facts are horrific enough on their own. The reason she's on my list is due to her alleged specific method while committing her crimes. Um, you know, being a proclivity to bathe in the blood of the young women to preserve her own youth. Mm. But once again, a lot of that's even though it is confirmed that she was a mass murderer of young women. Um, that last stuff didn't come into play until years and years after, so it's probably a myth that she bathed yeah. in the blood, but she definitely did the worst part. You know, the 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 murders and all that stuff, the tortures, mutilation, that wasn't enough. We needed a little bit more spice, you know, because yeah. those numbers could use some work. Yeah, honestly. 650. Yeah, yeah that's, wow. uh, and that's the end of my list. Just a little, just a little vampire preamble for you. Um, that last one, Ooh. yeah, once again, being particularly real and disturbing, but I suppose when you already hear that something so horrific uh, happened so much or maybe somewhere near you like it may have been uh, with her there, you know, I suppose it's easy to just keep stacking stuff on top of it. And um, she was like, it was found out that she committed the crimes at the time too, and uh her wealthy family kept her out of uh, the death sentence, but she still went to prison for the rest of her life. That's the justice system at work, you know. <laughs> um, that's good, you know. Back back in the day when uh, you couldn't, uh, you know, white collar crime could be prosecuted, but really this was a lot of terrible crime. But yeah, yep, yep. That's wow. all I got. Well, thank you, thank you very much. I didn't know any of those stories. So. I, d I didn't know about the second one before I read that, but 
I remember hearing about the hopping vampire a long time ago, and it's one of those things that just sticks with you, especially, honestly. I saw, like, a clip from a movie or something, because I, I guess I can't say that it's one of the more famous pop culture vampires in the area where it came from, but I saw a movie one time of the thing, or a clip of a movie where the thing's just hopping around and stuff, and it does seem kind of fun, but... It is creepy when you think about how it is hopping around because its body is stiff with rigor mortis from death. Death. It's actually pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, do you think it would be creepier to have a regular vampire that's just, like, really fast on its feet or just hopping towards you? Yeah. Um, I think I think if there was, like, a hundred of them hopping towards me, that would probably be scarier than one running at me. You know, it's that, it's that, um, what is it, a hundred horse-sized ducks or one duck-sized horse? Who are you, Ooh. who are you taking in a fight? Yeah. Kind of a similar thing. Yeah, it's tough. Yep. Vampires, they're just so scary. They're, they're pretty so scary. scary. Yep. Um, so for mine, uh, I have, like, some pretty old stories of like vampires that um weren't considered vampires at the time but you see similarities which the vampire is just like this combination of all that stuff um so the first one i have actually comes from ancient egypt in the story of psychmet um so basically this is the daughter of Ra, the sun god, and he was very displeased with the humans. And this is a very common thing in a lot of ancient mythology. Uh, they they would be very angry with the humans, so they just decide to uh, mess them up. And we're, he, we're always getting a bad rap. Yeah, give us a break. We just went through a whole pandemic. Uh, just give us a break you know but and so he decides to send down his own daughter who's like this lioness and like this um like kind of like a war god goddess i guess and so she's like fighting this war with the humans and just like pretty much wiping them out and she just starts drinking the blood from them casual like what a flex mm. and she almost wipes out all of humanity uh but fortunately papa ra the sun god was like uh this is enough you know i think we need the humans and their um weekly offerings uh so he dyes some beer red and Ooh. she's like "Ooh, blood blood and she starts drinking it and uh <laughs> she falls asleep for three days and humanity was saved <laughs> oh wonderful um yeah. uh, shades of saint patrick's day only you know that's green beer but can you imagine like a big cup of red beer that sounds kind of kind of ghastly yeah kind of wicked I, there's some that there's like some ales that get close but i don't think i've had like a really blood red beer mm. yep uh so there there's that one from ancient egypt which was kind of fun good guy raw i never heard that before and i i do particularly enjoy that yeah ancient uh egypt was very fun 
a lot of lot of fun stories and it's you know it just um it helps sum up my life philosophy a little more what problems can't beer fix <laughs> very true like this is uh probably one of the earliest uh solutions involving beer so what kind of what kind of beer do you think it was do you think that he sprung for something kind of fancy like some heineken or dosakis or you think that he just had like the the dollar brew keystones going mm, i think so this is a lion god so or goddess that he has to get drunk so and he's got to make it bountiful you know like so she notices it Very and you're fair. not gonna put down like your uh your fancy beers your voodoo ranger i think this ah. would be i think this this could have been keystone i'm gonna i'm gonna go out there and say it keystone you can get in large quantities um i'm not sure about how well it dies dies red but uh i'd say one of the cheaper beers for sure yep all right that's that's my hot take I think I agree uh, with that. Yep, yeah, cuz Ra, you know, he's got to be a bit conservative with the 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 currency, you know. You just you just wipe spent so much money wiping out humanity. Uh he's got to cheap out. Yeah. Uh so in the Hebrew version of the Garden of Eden, this is another uh vampire origin story and probably one of the most popular ones but i have never heard of it um but basically so adam as in the adam and eve you know garden of eden they're having a good time adam, <laughs> forget it yeah <laughs> the so many apples uh maybe a few too few bad apples in that garden i tell you too yep. few bad apples yep so um adam he had this wife before eve or or partner i'm not entirely sure and her name was lilith now lilith uh she was a badass she's like you know what adam i don't like this patriarchy patriarchy storyline you're going down uh, where you take a rib and you form Eve. I'm my own being. I'm going to become queen of the demons, baby. <laughs> um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, Lilith, much better than Eve, I think. Um, but <laughs> this is where I'm, it gets a bit controversial. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> so she would haunt families by by eating babies um <gasps> yep so lilith uh, slow down slow down here and she would also feast on men and women and uh she would made, just kind of like vampires like you know would do it for the sustenance uh that life force kind of thing and uh she has appeared in like multiple forms like just like the bible you know like all these stories have been told but they're all told in different ways so um it's been she exists in like mesopotamia uh babylonia and samaria so like overlying um parts of like iraq like parts that would be considered like persia 
basically the Middle East. And uh, she is now considered a feminist icon for not participating in the patriarchy when she left Adam. So Cool. Uh, she's recently become a feminist icon. I think she's a major character in like one of those supernatural shows. Or, or okay. supernatural. Um, you mean the show Supernatural? Yep, yeah, I okay. believe... Or just one of those. I don't, I'm not really into that one. There's a lot of creatures, like I said, um, that have these similarities to the modern vampires, but they didn't really show up until um, when Europe started to get into it. So we mostly, when we think of like vampires, we mostly think of the European uh image that came about so um and this was actually interesting i had no idea but um an early trait of vampirism comes from joggers which oh. are very common in norse mythology and all over really like a lot of uh, northern europe has joggers and um they're basically animated corpses and they just like in skyrim they're guarding treasure <laughs> like uh but the the major role they had in creating modern vampires is that vampires when they bite somebody they turn into a vampire and this is something that would happen with joggers they're these dead creatures which a lot of vampires are once they would transmit their disease to another person they would get it so uh that that uh inspired them and it's pretty interesting because vampires they started to become like a legit threat to like people in europe around the 16th century uh (laughs) like like there was a huge vampire scare like um imagine the satanic panic without any knowledge of science or anything just taking off basically people were thinking that mischievous creatures would come to the to their villages at night and like ravage um their houses and kill their people but in reality it was diseases like tuberculosis that was um just spreading like wildfire in like the 16th century and one of the uh, like symptoms of tuberculosis is like coughing up blood so oh yep um people were like what's going on like we don't really know how to apply this and so instead of um like thinking it was a disease they thought as an actual creature like a vampire and is a legit threat like they thought it that uh they were terrorizing them so it's kind of interesting to see the different uh, direction something comes from that all blends into even if we're only thinking of the western vampire with the sucking blood and you know sleeping in the coffin and stuff at night it's crazy hearing you talk about people being afraid of them just like the satanic panic like you're mentioning or i think of like the salem witch trials where you have no scientific basis and you think that well i mean you think that someone's gonna come out and suck your blood at night or whatever but like it reminds me of this disease called porphyria that also had a lot to do with people thinking others were vampires because it literally like 
made your gums recede so that your teeth looked like mm. bigger and yep. and like the you know the sun hurt your skin more because it the disease made you a lot more pale or something like that it's kind of weird how something will come from so many different directions to make such a interesting creature yeah that was a, that that was a legit disease and um yeah it did make your teeth appear sharper because your gums would just recede and they're super pale um you know they would need lots of sunscreen <laughs> let's just oh, put it that god way. <laughs> yep um but yeah like also with just it was the same thing with um corpses like people just didn't know how people would decompose right. and so like what would happen is just kind of like that disease you're talking about your gums start to you know deteriorate and your organs also start to break down so like there's like two openings on your body and you got fluids coming from your mouth and like a lot of it's going to be blood so like they're they're thinking like these people are um basically rising from the dead and killing their village people but really it's just uh uh grandpa joe was just uh going through a totally natural process no that's a callback <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> grandpa joe oh yeah. god <laughs> where's my chocolate <laughs> charlie mm. <laughs> anybody seen yeah. that Willy wonka around here yeah oh man that is fun that is fun yeah, it is. I used to work for Willie. <laughs> Grandpa, go back to your grave. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's an alternate universe where Grandpa Joe's actually dead, but Charlie gets the golden ticket. And uh, he's just like, oh, shit, well, <laughs> I guess I'll help out my family now. No, that, uh, that is a fun fan fiction. Yep, I'd pay for it. And like we were mentioning with the satanic panic and like this mass hysteria, and just like with our current pandemic, you see how people become just totally irrational and um, like they would try to gain control over these vampiric forces. And citizens would, like, take actions against the undead and those that they perceived as vampires, just like uh, the Salem Witch Trials. Like, it was the same situation. So mass graves from plague victims have been unearthed and, like, just due to, like, um, excavations, whatever, and just doing more research. And they found, like, there's a lot of methods people did to prevent the dead from harming the living so like if if there's like this mass grave from uh plague victims uh what they found was like there were teeth taken out of their skulls um there were iron rods driven through their chests oh jeez yeah like all these just very draconic uh methods to like keep the dead from coming back to haunt you and uh yeah they put bricks in uh corpses mouths and just it's just crazy um and so like a lot of this superstition was extremely common in romania um and romania obviously has a lot to do with vampires um and so like the region actually inspired 
Bram Stoker to write uh, Dracula. Like he did a lot of research on it. And one of their favorite methods was driving steel rods into people's hearts. And, uh, you know, whether you're living or dead, if they thought you were a vampire, they would drive steel rods into you. Well, so either way, you're dead afterwards. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're just straight up not having a good time. Yep. Yep. And they also believed that garlic would repel them as well. So this is just crazy to me. But so Romania, not saying Romania is going crazy with vampires still, but like obviously when you think of vampires, you think of Romania, you think of Dracula's castle, um, which is like an actual place there um but obviously it's named after vlad the impaler but yeah so in in the modern day 2006 i guess you could say that's the modern day but i suppose 15 whole (laughs) years ago yep i i was there me too um and so in romania they call their vampires uh strigoi I, I believe is how you pronounce it. And so there's this 76-year-old man, and his family is, like, hell-bent on... They're, they're just so convinced that he's a vampire. This, like, 76-year-old man, Uh-oh. his whole family thinks he's a vampire. Um, because after he passed, his uh, nephew just, like, came down with this strange illness, and they they're like you know what right before this happened we saw old grandpa uh roam in the streets before uh he got this weird disease um and so some of the members of the family i think it was like a nephew or a cousin uh they decided to unearth his grave and they opened his chest like tore it open and took out his heart and burnt the heart and mixed the ashes with the water and the whole family drank the solution. Oh, that is disgusting. Yeah, and they got sick from it. Imagine that. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah, it, it's just insane. Um, I actually met a dude from Romania. I was going mountain biking and we're just like in this remote German village and out of nowhere, like we're, we're saying, sprechen the English, you know, every restaurant we go to. Oh, yeah. do you speak English and this dude comes out and well he's like he was probably 18 or 19 he's like yeah I speak English what's up dudes and uh, the, the dude just really loved American hip-hop and he said he was best friends with the Flatbush zombies oh wow um, but in all reality he just met them on like a VIP VIP tour like he wasn't actually friends with them but I was like okay that's pretty cool but hey hey buddy <laughs> it's all the same to me yeah <laughs> meet you once you're my best friend oh yeah um but yeah that's the only Romanian I've met so far huh uh yep didn't mention vampires though gosh yep um so uh, the vampire craze became so bad, like there was a huge mass hysteria that um, in the mid-18th century, um, basically the leaders of Europe had to say that, you know, vampires aren't real and they're this human fantasy, basically. Um, 
It, it was some king that said it. I can't remember who. But Maria Theresa, who was um, the ruler of the Holy Roman Empire, she basically had to say, guys, like, vampires aren't real. Um, quit, quit making such a big fuss about it. But that probably made half the population, like, double down. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly what I would say if I was harboring vampires, too. <laughs> yeah, if I was uh, protecting the vampires. Yep. Uh so uh eventually like once um knowledge of the plague became more known and like you know gatherings of large groups uh obviously helped spread these plagues and everything everyone started to realize that uh vampires they're you know that was so last century uh-huh. um <laughs> they're the least of, of our problems <laughs> yeah. yeah um I'm going through a whole new thing it's called the potato famine and I'm just not having a good time but eventually a lot of writers started to realize that vampires are red hot like this is some good stuff that could be made made into literature oh yeah yep the first person to ever write a vampire story is Stephanie Meyer um, oh wow! The, the author of the Twilight series. Oh, she really kicked four it of off. Them. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, Breaking Dawn over Dracula all day. That's what I say. Um, but just kidding, just kidding. Um, uh, so the first story to gain popularity was the Vampire, V A M P Y R E, by John. Polidori. I don't think we mentioned it in the Frankenstein episode, but this specific author was in the same cabin that Mary Shelley was in during the year without summer on Lake Geneva. That is so weird how we see just the little little crossovers of stuff like that. And, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes great minds do gather together and then, you know, vault off into writing one of my favorite books and i mean not that i've ever read this vampire one you're talking about here but once again another prolific story by the sounds of it uh yep. and and they were good buds yep um so i i didn't know this until i actually researched what because we mentioned that that summer was unusually cold and that's why they're in the cabin basically all summer um, and it actually caused like a giant food shortage, a crop shortage, um, because it was so cold. But basically, there's a huge volcanic eruption, and it caused the climate to get super funky. And it was like the coldest summer on record for a very long time in Europe. But yeah, so like they're doing the scary story contest, and uh, he made up this story and it, it was a, a vampire story and it was the first story to really combine the elements of all these different vampire folk folklore um, that was coming from Europe and he transformed it into like the creature we know of today um, like the gaunt vampire blood sucking because there's a there's actually a time where vampires were like very bloated to um, symbolize like you know uh greed and right uh, all that stuff so uh this is where we finally get our 
gaunt vampire version. So then after that, there was an author by the name of Sheridan Le Fanu who published Carmilla. And it was a story that came out 26 years before Dracula, but it focused on a legion of female vampires that would prey upon women and have intimate relationships relationships with some. So it was oh. kind of one of the first stories to really um, sexualize vampires, I guess. Uh, and yeah, it was very similar to the elements that were used in Dracula. He definitely, uh, Bram Stoker, he definitely grabbed a lot of elements from uh, this story, Carmilla. It kind of goes to show, too, you know, um, even dating so far back, even though Dracula came out in 1897, you might, uh, even if it is what everyone thinks of as, like, the, the typical story. vampire the story the vampire even though i don't think i've ever met anyone that read it and i'm just about over halfway done with it myself and it's a good book but um even dating back so far uh there were still inspirations and stuff for these guys to pull from in every different direction yep yep he had a lot of work to pull from and Pretty it's cool. not like it's not like he uh stole these ideas um he was like a legit fan of Romania and cool. just vampire mythology in general. Um, and I'll actually get started uh, talking about the author himself. Um, because, uh, yeah, he definitely pulled a lot, but he was just a legit fan of the the, the creature, you know? Hell yeah. Um, so... Bram Stoker was born in 1847 in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, so he had this unknown illness that left him bedridden until he was seven. Uh, which I believe uh, that it's kind of like Robert Louis Stevenson, Stevenson, where he was a very sickly child as well. Right. Um, so he said during this time he would do a lot of like he just said quote like good thinking and I, I guess like just exploring his mind being very imaginative and uh so once he recovered from his illness he started to excel in school and he actually became a very good athlete in college so that's pretty interesting going from not being able to move and just becoming a uh, athlete. Yeah, that's, pr that's Very pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and after college, he became uh, very interested in theater, and he became a theater critic and was quite good at it. Um, like, he wrote very lengthy reviews and uh, just kind of changed the, the theater reviews, I guess. So that's pretty neat. And eventually, he ran his own theater once he moved to London. And like I was saying, for some time now, Stoker, he's been very interested in vampires. Um, he actually read an essay about them. Uh, it was like this, um, you know, like a monster book, I guess you could say. And one of the uh, one that... It, one of the creatures that intrigued him the most was obviously vampires. And 
this book, this essay, which I'm pretty sure was written by a female, uh, gave him like a good base to create the character of Dracula. So he also got the name from the infamous ruler of Wallachia, Vlad the Impaler. Vlad Tepesh, full name. And is that how you say it, Wallachia? I couldn't I tell you. I, st- I watched like three episodes of Castlevania uh, recently, and I, I still can't pronounce it that well. He got but, that nickname, the Impaler, because he was like a grill master with like shish kebabs and stuff, though, right? Isn't yeah. that why they called him Vlad the Impaler? Yep, uh, human shish kebabs. He loves. Oh. He loved that shit. Yep. Um, so, like, Vlad the Impaler, he ruled. A region of modern-day Romania, uh, but he was he was known for his brutal punishment uh, because basically he was heavily betrayed by all of his en- enemies, and they really screwed him over. I think he was in prison for some time, and they treated him so bad. But once he got out, uh, he released he wrote ro- he rose a little hell. We can just say that. Oh yeah, and. He was very well known for punishing his enemies by, like, forcing their bodies onto wooden stakes and just letting them slide down those stakes, like, for days. Um, And he would also skin and boil his victims alive. Uh, But some of this... The wooden stakes, I'm pretty sure that happened, but he is also known for dining with the corpses of his enemies. But a lot of this could have been uh, just exaggerated because, like, everyone in Europe was, like, so fascinated with him and so scared of him. Yeah. Rightfully so. Um, And, And that's actually, while we're touching on this, horrific footnote here that just uh i want to get a little game of thrones tidbit in here because i've been so obsessed with those books and stuff for the last couple of months but uh there's a house you know the boltons in that uh in that story that flay their enemies too and their idea is to rule with terror because few things Mm. are as effective as scaring the crap out of everyone to get them to do what you want you know if you've already like invoked fear into your enemy uh you've pretty much won that battle yeah you got a leg up on them yep exactly so yeah it's it's interesting too you're talking about how it wasn't confirmed that he actually you know flayed his enemies or dined with their corpses or whatever but when word spreads around people don't know what's what so if they believe every single thing and they hear that that dude's on his way then yeah people are definitely scared you know Mm -hmm. so with vlad the impaler um you know very scary guy um bit of a jerk bit of a yeah maybe went too far so obviously there's a lot of similarities like you know there's a lot of between this and dracula like just the horror aspect i think um but when it gets down to it stoker didn't really take too much from vlad the impaler himself except for his family name which mean which it was uh dracul 
uh, oh. which in Romanian is dragon. So that's awesome. Yep, it's very cool. Dracul. So Vlad, he th- th- this was like his father's name, Dracul. Uh, and Vlad, he took the name Dracula, which means son of the dragon, or it's more interpreted as the devil in modern, like, Romanian. So that's very cool. Oh, yeah. Like, Dracula is, you know, is he a dragon? Is he the devil? I don't know. He based, like, the mannerisms of Dracula, uh, like, the actual character Dracula, from his best friend, Henry Irving, who was, like, this theater buddy of his. Oh. Um, yeah, like, he basically wrote Dracula, and he's like, I want this to be a play, and you're going to play him. And it did happen. This Henry Irving did play Dracula. And, um, yeah, like, this dude was just um, very tall, not, like, skinny, but thin, and just had this very, very like, prominent cheekbones and just kind of, like, what we would imagine as Dracula today or, like, any vampire figure with, like, the gaunt face and all that. So, Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he basically saw his friend and he was like, yeah, you're a vampire. Um, yeah, I'm honestly. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, hey, I wrote this character. He's, like, this big, weird, menacing, creepy guy, and <laughs> you're the only person I have in mind for him, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> And he's probably like, oh, this is going to make me so much money. Uh, Can I play him? (laughs) Uh, So with all this research, he wrote Dracula like he loved the world of vampires. And despite being loved by like every critic alive um, and even his friend, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who uh, is the author of Sherlock Holmes, the detective, uh, he even said this was the best story he read in years. Cool. Um, it, it didn't make him that much money. Ooh, always a fly yeah. in the ointment. Yep, it didn't do too hot. Um, so, like, he remained, like, a very private person. And he had a wife. Um, and he had little to no sex with his wife. And uh, he was very obsessed with um you know these new authors this new wave and this was walt whitman oscar wilde and their love of nature i can't think of the exact genre of it Uh, it's like transact i want to say transatlantic Uh, trans transcendental uh is is the genre I don't know what either of those words mean, and I agree with both. <laughs> but Walt Whitman, we covered him in uh, English class, but basically he would go into nature, and he'd be in a cabin, and he'd be like, oh, everything's so beautiful, oh, nature's so beautiful. But then he, you know, his real house was like a 15-minute mo- 15 walk away. Uh. Um, <laughs> so... Uh. Um, he just wanted to be like these guys so bad, um, but he just had this like horror story of Dracula that was very. It wasn't like crazy popular, but among critics, it was very popular. And he's very jealous of them. And so the reason I mentioned that he had little to no sex with his wife um, is because in the last year of his life, 
he actually demanded all homosexuals to be imprisoned. Um, oh. But as we see with cases like this, whether it be um, like J. Edgar Hoover or just other, uh, or Roy Cohn or whatever his name was, um, a mob boss, if they're like blatantly like anti-gay, could turn out that they are gay. Um, so this was probably his way of like struggling as coming out as gay because um, like Dracula is a very like critique novel on Victorian aspects of like sexual relations and just sexuality in general and it's kind of like you know hinted that or it's like perceived that he written this as kind of like a secret sexuality novel I guess you could say yeah right um, um, a lot of it doesn't seem super overt from what I've read so far but there's definitely a lot of interesting undertones yep yep just kind of like turn of the screw there's a lot of sexual undertones so he died being you know just on his deathbed he during pride month he was like all the gays gotta be locked up and um i don't know if that's his last words but he did die in 1912 and he didn't make much profit from his book he uh i think he had to take out like like food stamps and like government loans just to just to survive so um and dracula obviously it became like a cinema classic when it came out when universal studios came out with it in uh 1931 but uh before that nosferatu uh came out before it Dracula, the American version, and it was kind of a it was a legal battle because it was this German studio that clearly violated copyright, but they're like, no, it's Nosferatu, not Dracula. Yeah, this guy's got uh, a different name. Yeah, y'all are crazy. How, um, cra- how crazy is it? Uh, how crazy is it to think about it too? How the original novel came out in eighteen ninety seven, and like you were just saying, that Universal one with Bella Lugosi came out in 1931 and that's a uh, long time that was I mean it was only like a 34 or 35 year gap between the book and the movie compared to the book being like ancient and that movie is gonna be well I mean it's 90 years old now which is pretty crazy yep like Nosferatu came out uh, I think it was like 10 15 years before uh the American version of Dracula but it like Nosferatu really showed that there's a lot of potential with like vampire cinema and then Dracula came out in 1931 and that's when Dracula really became a household name and became very popular so pretty cool ever since then Dracula's just uh become very popular well he is the number one vampire so and yeah that's our very um long preamble to dracula but there's a lot of a lot of interesting history there's a lot of interesting aspects of the literature uh so yeah and we'll be back next week with part one of 
Dracula. So yeah. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a five-parter. Alrighty, it uh, it definitely reads like it's going to be a five-parter. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of content. Like there's, I don't want to trim it down because there's just a lot of good parts. So oh yeah, yep. So yeah, so, any any uh, afterthoughts on the vampire history here? Mm, I just think that uh, it was a pretty pretty cool idea to have a whole episode dedicated to not only the author's story that we cover in the beginning of her uh, of every series but also getting into a little bit of the the goods and laying a bit of groundwork for the upcoming series we'll have to do that again with our next like big you know meaty series because this is going to be you know one of the biggest ones since crime and punishment which almost came out a year ago that first part yeah Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I think um, my favorite fact coming out of this is that whenever vampire crazes um, became, like, very high, it always coexisted with some type of disease outbreak. Like, there's a correlation between diseases and fear of vampires. I thought that was so neat how, like, it's not like vampires came out of nowhere. It's like people are trying to put some... They're just trying to do what humans do and make sense of something. Yep. And they just came up with uh, vampires, basically, in Europe. And that was their way of, like, controlling it because they thought they could figure out how to control vampires. But really, it was diseases like tuberculosis and uh, stuff like that, so tuberculosis and porphyria the one i was talking about with the receding gums and yeah pretty pretty interesting stuff yeah very much so so uh that's all i got that's all i got that's all i got come back for part one of bram stoker's dracula Alrighty guys, thanks for listening and we we will see you next week. You call me. Of course. You know. Oh, yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>